Welcome back to Trinus Magnus Jabs Reality, presented by Two True Freaks. I'm your host, Magnus, and what I'm doing right now is I've been spending a lot of time lately watching Godfather movies. Another way of looking at it is that I've been rather busily engaged with burning Trinus Magnus punches reality down to the ground, and who knows, maybe today is going to be another another brick in that particular wall, so don't really know. But what I've uh, what I've been doing lately is I've been watching uh, the Godfather movies, right? And for those of you who don't know, I do consider myself to be a little bit of a late adopter when it comes to the Godfather, and the main reason for that is because I was probably... Uh, I, I, I want to say I was probably 24 years old before I saw... Uh, any of the Godfather movies, and I basically, I, I went through this this phase, at least as I can only describe it as a phase, it, I, I, I wanted to see all of these big and important, legendary, classic movies that everybody always seems to love so much, but which I'd never actually seen, right? And I want to say that it's completely possible that the first Godfather movie was maybe the last, or one of the last, of those movies. And I think the reason I saved the Godfather for last is, uh... <clears throat> it's it's kind of hard to put it into words, but it, it it's like the cheer for the supervillain effect, where it it just seems to me a little bit weird and creepy and inappropriate to cheer for the bad guys and it it would be safe to say if that sounds I don't know mean or dismissive or harsh or whatever it would be safe to say that I didn't really understand what the Godfather movies are and what they're about and all of that so that's pro if I had to if I had to guess I would say that was probably why then again, it could have just been low blood sugar on my part. Who's to say? But I ordered the first Godfather movie off of, I should say, it was probably Amazon. And, my, you know, my thinking on that was, well, if this, is a, if this movie is everything that people make it out to be, I'm going to want to own it. Whereas if, it, if it's kind of a dud, like these other movies that people are just fucking in love with that are, I, I don't see what the big fuss is about, like The Conversation, for example... Well, I can always just sell the DVD and recoup some of my money, right? But there's a better than average chance I may want to keep this if this thing lives up to its reputation, right? <clears throat> that was my rationale at the time. So, watch the first movie, and guys, I'm not going to lie to you, it took a while for that to really set in, you know? At least for me, The, God the Godfather was a movie that I actually had to see, I want to say maybe two or three times, before I really started appreciating it. And what I ultimately ended up doing was um, just buying that, that Godfather set that was out for a while. And what I did a couple of weeks ago, just to kind of bring it all back up to the modern day, what I did a couple of weeks ago was I bought the, the Godfather movies for... I'm not kidding. I think, I think this actually was, now that I think about it, for the third time in my life. All right. So I bought the Godfather, just the first Godfather movie as a standalone thing when I was 24. I'm going to say I was 25. I, I bought 
the Godfather movie set that had all three movies in it. I want to say that came out in like 2001 or 2002, around there, the DVDs. Um, but what we need to uh, emphasize here is that those... That was a remastering job in as much as new masters were created, right? Paramount basically struck new masters for the purpose of releasing the Godfather, uh, the Godfather movies on DVD. But this wasn't really any kind of a restoration, right? And I think the final product kind of sort of bears that out a little bit, right? So I guess somebody somebody came to agree because in 2008 uh, Paramount released the Godfather movies again this time though they actually did do a full-scale frame by frame by frame restoration right and real swank too right uh, looks great and so, and so being a as I was a Godfather fan by that point yeah I I went ahead and, and bought that bought that set now there's a lot of shit that I don't tell you guys there's a lot of shit that happens in my personal life that is under lock and key, you know, but basically whatever happened, happened. And I just ended up, my living situation changed such that I ended up uh, having to put all of my DVDs and all that other bullshit pretty much in storage, right? So a couple of weeks ago when I got a yen to watch the, the Godfather trilogy, I had uh, rips of those DVDs that I'd made, but guys, I mean, I've got a much more sophisticated setup on my computer these days, and it, even DVDs look kind of ugly on this fairly nice, uh, kind of macked out setup that I've got. So I thought, you know what, I, at this point, I just need to just fucking I, bite the bullet, go full HD, and never look back. And so that's what I did. So I bought the Godfather series again this time it was on iTunes for the third time in my adult life and I gotta tell you unlike previous occasions I enjoyed all three of them this time now for those of you who have been paying kind of careful attention to the way I've parsed my words up to this point I have not referred to the three Godfather movies as a trilogy and the reason I have not referred to the Godfather movies as a trilogy is because when you think about it, the Godfather really isn't a trilogy. But I'll circle back to that in just a just a minute. From the outset, uh, guys, let me just say that I've always had a little bit of a complex relationship with the Godfather Part 3, right? I don't think it would be fair to say that The Godfather Part 3 is necessarily reviled, but you don't exactly have to be a huge genius to recognize it just doesn't get the same uh, props and affection and adulation as the first two, right? This, I believe, is so obvious as to be undeniable, right? The third Godfather movie is just not held in the same regard. And yet... Every time I watched The Godfather Part 3, I could not shake the fact that there's a good movie lurking around in here somewhere, and for whatever reason, I'm having a very hard time articulating it, right? Such is life. Now, 
where I think I kind of broke through the wall on that one was, like I say, it was just a couple weeks ago when finally got the the Godfather series off of iTunes. And again, this time HD, and that's kind of what makes the difference, at least for me. And I've heard Francis Ford uh, Coppola's director's commentary for all three movies before. I think those are good commentaries. They're definitely worth listening to. And they're not the, they're not the kind of uh, squeaky clean, sanitized commentary that, you know, working with so-and-so was, was a joy and a pleasure. It was the high point of my career to work with somebody who was this kind of professional. You know, it's none of that bullshit. He really does tell you that, yeah, I worked with a bunch of people when I was making these movies and uh, several of them, one in particular, was just an incredible asshole the, the entire time. I've had easier root canals if I... I mean, honestly, the only reason that I even agreed to make the first Godfather movie was because I kind of needed the money. But, you know, left to my own devices. Man, fuck this, okay? Look, life's too short, you know? And he, and just, he basically... really He really does go into it and explain, you know, what exactly it was that really happened, right? So... My, my purpose in mentioning all of this is not to say that listening to the commentary changed my perception of things, because it really didn't, you know? I mean, this is... There are factoids that are just... If you're at all familiar with the Godfather movies, you're, you're already pretty well aware of. But one of the things that I guess I never fully appreciated was just how mistitled The Godfather Part 3 really is. Because in Francis Ford Coppola's estimation, the movie really should have been titled The Death of Michael Corleone right and instead it's called the godfather part three which he attributes to his kind of diminished power and diminished clout with paramount he didn't have necessarily the same kind of authority over uh the godfather part three that he had over the godfather part two and so and there are a lot of reasons for that all of which kind of go outside the scope of what this episode's supposed to be all about but his, his purpose in saying that was basically that if what you're expecting is yet another Godfather movie where Michael outsmarts all the bad guys and he's just one step ahead of everybody and then he has this big uh, artistic finale where he lays waste to all of his enemies and all this is not that movie, all right? This is the movie where Michael Corleone pays the price for everything that he's ever done. And for those reasons, Coppola always felt very uncomfortable calling this movie The Godfather Part 3. The title of this movie, if there was any justice in the world whatsoever, would have been The Death of Michael Corleone. And I think the reason that the reason that's important is because it does kind of set the table on what this movie is. You know, when you say the Godfather to people, they have certain expectations, especially back in, you know, the 80s, whenever, or this, the, the Godfather Part 3 didn't come out in the 80s, but you get the idea. You say that to people back in the 80s, you know, they have expectations of what the Godfather means. And the Godfather Part 3, I think we can all agree, is pretty far outside the scope of what people wanted from a Godfather movie. Whereas if you call the thing the death of Michael Corleone, and then you show him almost in every single scene, suffering the consequences of every bad decision he's ever made in his entire life. It puts a different frame 
on things, you know? It, it basically gives the movie a certain narrative thrust and expectations uh, among the viewer that this is not going to be a conventional Godfather movie. What we're going to see here is something else entirely. But the other thing is that the Godfather as a story, it, bas it really did wrap up with The Godfather Part 2. And, you know, this, this kind of multi-pronged sort of eh, epic that involves Vito Corleone and then Michael Corleone and this weird parallel yet divergent journey that they went on at different stages in life. That story ends, okay? It ends in The Godfather Part 2. And really, I mean, Vito's story ends in the guy I mean the guy himself the character Vito dies in the first Godfather movie but his story at least what we need to know of it ends in the Godfather part two well he's the titular Godfather you know and so right off the bat calling the third movie the Godfather part three when he's not even in it doesn't make sense you know so there's that but as I say I mean this this is meant to be the Godfather Part Three is meant to be eh, kind of like an epilogue of of the Godfather saga, right? This is the price that Michael Corleone had to pay personally, kind of as penance for everything that he did. I would say, really, in, in the second Godfather movie, because honestly, guys, when it comes to the first Godfather. Michael Corleone ordered the death of Mo Green. But other than that, guys, I mean, I'm at a real loss to morally condemn too much of anything that that Michael did in the first Godfather movie. I mean, yeah, he either killed or arranged to have killed a lot of different people. Every single one of whom was out for his blood, for his family's blood. They were going to uh, crush him. They were going to crush his family. They were going to destroy them and there wasn't going to be anything left. Everything that Michael Corleone did in the first Godfather movie was either an act of direct self-defense or preemptive self-defense. Except for the death of Mo Green. And that's, that's really the only murder that gets committed by Michael, either directly or indirectly, in the first Godfather movie that I honestly would say was unjustified you know the other killings I understand put it that way I understand where Michael was coming from on that you know but Mo Green yeah the guy was a pompous asshole yeah the guy was a gangster yeah the guy has probably even killed people himself but at the end of the day there's nothing that we see in the first Godfather movie to suggest that Mo Green was any kind of an immediate danger or threat or whatever else to the Corleone family. Now, the, the heads of the five families in New York, yeah, they were all a threat to the Corleone family in general, and Michael in particular, right? Um, or, uh, and of course now I'm blanking on the guy's name, uh, but uh, Connie's husband, Carlo. Uh, Carlo, um, uh, Tessio, and some others, they also were... were were traitors. They, it, you know, if it, it, look, if it wasn't today, it was going to be some other day. But 
they would have sold out the family. And so, like I say, every other killing that, that Michael orders or participates in, in the first Godfather movie, I think is actually pretty morally justifiable, you know? Um, you know, it was self-defense. Of all people, Michael knew he could not go to the cops. I mean, they were, for the most part, in with uh, either Tar uh, the uh, Tatalia family or Barzini or, or just whoever else. And so he knew, Michael knew, that he could not go to the cops for any kind of protection. So what does that leave? Except for Mo Green, you know? Anyway, but I'm not supposed to talk about the first Godfather movie. I'm supposed to talk about the third Godfather movie. And in the third Godfather movie, guys, like I say, what we're basically seeing is Michael paying the price for every bad decision that he's ever made in his entire life. The simple fact of the matter, guys, is that, you know, at the risk of, you know, getting religious or sounding religious or anything like that, murder is a sin. And unlike a lot of other sins that you can commit, murder, I would think, has a very specific and very damaging kind of effect on your soul. You know, it is not, I mean, it's not good for your victim. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's not good for somebody to be murdered, but it's not good for you to murder somebody. It's not good for your soul to murder somebody. It's just not, you know, and all of the uh, all of the different murders that, that Michael has committed, morally justified, though some of them might have been, they're starting to eat away at him, you know? He's presented himself, especially in the second Godfather movie, as this guy is so cold, he's got ice in his veins. But does he? I don't know. I mean, you watch the third Godfather movie, and it's pretty clear, at least to me, this is a guy who maybe doesn't have ice in his veins, who maybe does regret the things that he's had to do, you know? And there's a there's a quality to the third movie that, like I say, I was always kind of aware of, I was always convinced was there, and I just never really been able to articulate. But just in terms of... I mean, yeah, look, I, guys, I get it, you know? Sofia Coppola, in that movie, you know, this is a performance that, let's face it, was never going to win any Oscars. But, I mean, guys, number one, she was just a kid, you know? I mean, this is somebody who didn't really have a whole lot of experience acting. And number two, she didn't even really have all that much time to prepare. You know, she wasn't even supposed to be in the movie. It's just a weird series of just kind of freak accidents that happened that kind of thrust Sofia Coppola into a into a job that, let's face it, guys, I don't know that she ever would have been ready for, but certainly I don't think she would have been ready for it as such a last-minute kind of thing, you know? Again, such is life. But when you move away from anything to do with uh, Sofia Coppola, who I always thought was rather easy on the eyes myself, but... When you move away from uh, anything to do with uh, Sofia Coppola, guys, this is actually a really good movie. I mean, it's got a pretty good cast. And the story is... It's Michael basically having to do the things he doesn't really want to do. At this point, just as a matter of survival, you know? And his heart just isn't in it anymore, you know? Michael 
as we saw him in The Godfather Part 2, instantly would have known who's pulling the strings in The Godfather Part 3, and he would have had that guy liquidated pretty quick. You know, things never would have gotten as far as they did in The Godfather Part 3 if Michael was his old self. The fact of the matter, though, is that he doesn't have the heart to be a heartless killer anymore. And oddly enough, that almost gets him killed on a few occasions, you know? His own remorse is nearly what did him in. And the hell of it is, in some ways, it might have actually worked out better for him. If, you know, if somebody had gotten to him sooner, long before the opera, at the end of the movie, if somebody had gotten to him sooner, yeah, you know, Michael would have been dead and that sucks, but you know what? Life goes on. His family goes on. Uh, uh, Vincent would have been ready, willing, and able to, to pick up where Michael was leading, uh, leaving off, and that would have been that, you know? Mary might still be alive, is the point. And I guess when you think about it that way, that's pretty fucking dark, guys. So, anyway. Now, like I say, I I recognize that The Godfather Part 3, because of its title, if for no other reason, because of its title, it's never really going to be uh, held in the same, the same kind of esteem as its predecessors. <clears throat> and you know what? Maybe even rightly so. I mean, there's really no arguing that the Godfather uh, parts one and two just have better casts and more exciting characters and all that fun stuff. But, you know, when you move away from that stuff, I mean, guys, I think the Godfather part three is a, it's a worthwhile entry into the series. And it's, as it happens, it's actually not a bad way, not a bad way at all to, to wrap up the series, you know? And the thing is, the way I look at it, it's completely optional viewing. You know, if you don't want there to be a Godfather Part 3, well, honestly, the name is kind of illusory to begin with anyway. You know, this this isn't the Godfather Part 3. This is the epilogue, or this is the death of Michael Corleone. This is not the Godfather Part 3. There's a Godfather Part 1, there's a Godfather Part 2, but there is not a Godfather Part 3. So if you don't choose to acknowledge the third movie's existence, guys, Coppola would be the first to tell you you're kind of within your rights to do that. But as for me, I like all three of them, and, you know, it's kind of funny that sometimes in life you come across, you know, uh, I find it seems to be often with third movies, but not always, but you come across movies where they were kind of misunderstood in their time, but there's... There's a lot going for him, I think, you know? Um, the Matrix Revolutions, you know, I think has got a lot of... A lot of overlooked, I would say, quality about it. You know, there's... There's there's more there than I think typically gets recognized by most people. Or The Dark Knight Rises, you know? That, again, is... In a weird kind of way, that's like The Godfather Part Three of that trilogy... And it's just not held in the same esteem as, say, The Dark Knight. But I happen to think that, you know what? The, the Dark Knight rises for everything that it is and it isn't. Not a bad movie, guys. So, anyway. And as it goes for The Godfather Part 3, or The Godfather Prologue, 
or the death of Michael Corleone, or however you want to think of it, give it another look. And this time, think of it not as The Godfather Part 3, but think of it as the, the aftermath, where Michael Corleone gets some small measure of the justice that he has avoided for a very long time. And who knows? Maybe that'll, maybe that'll change your mind. So... Anyway, so I think that's pretty much it for me this week. So bye, everybody. I will see you next week.